And now it's time for Dave's Disney View Podcast. Please move across your car to make room for everyone. Our podcast will begin momentarily. Join Dave as he makes his Grand Circle tour around the Walt Disney World Resort. Dave is a dreamer and an engineer who enjoys the magic and wonder of it all. But he understands its place in history and respects the legacy that's been left. So come along and take a listen to Dave's thoughts about the Walt Disney World Resorts and see it through Dave's eyes. Please stand clear of the podcaster. Por favor, manténganse alejado del David. And now, here's your host. Hey everyone, it's Dave. Welcome to another edition of Dave's Disney View Podcast. Well, on today's podcast, I wanted to talk about some of the things that you can see and do over at the west side, or what was the west side of downtown Disney, and will now be on the western part of Disney Springs. There are four, I think, must-see attractions or things to do there that I think are well worth your time if you've got a little time between park hopping and doing some of the fun things around there, and you have a little extra time and want to go visit something. There are some fun things that you can do over at Disney Springs that you might enjoy. And those four things are the Cirque du Soleil show, the uh, Pleasure Island 24-screen theater, though I guess it won't be called that much longer, the Splitsville Bowling Alley, and Disney Quest. And I want to talk about each of those and why they're fun and why they're interesting. And I think you'll get something out of this. And maybe the next time you visit Downtown Disney or you visit the Walt Disney World Resort, you'll take some time and visit these attractions. And I call them attractions, and I use it a little loosely, because they're more than just what it seems like they are. There's something more happening there, and they're a lot more fun. So let me start with the uh, 24-screen theater. And this theater was put in when uh, the West Side first opened. And actually, it was one of the first things that came in. It actually appeared there in about 1992. Maybe it was late 1991. And the first movie I ever saw there was uh, Beauty and the Beast. It had come out, and uh, they, they put it into that theater, and that was the first place I ever saw it, and I thought it was fantastic. It was great big screen, really nice uh, theater seating before theater seating really got started. Um, not quite stadium seating, but they did a nice job of tiering it so you felt like you had a nice view of the screen, and it was really well thought out. And over time, it's evolved and gotten larger and changed and modified a little bit, but what makes this AMC theater different than other AMC theaters that you may be used to is the fact that some of the screens, I think it's six of them if I'm not mistaken, uh, are fork and screen. Now that's AMC's uh, version of the dine-in theater. So what you can do is you buy a ticket to one of these movies. It's specific movies that are showing at specific times. Now to be sure, these movies that are the uh, fork and screen are a little bit more pricey than the ones that you might see at the uh, regular theater. So it's a couple of dollars more to go into the fork and screen. And what you do is you uh, buy your ticket and you go around a side entrance. So it's so it's right by where the Planet Hollywood is. And you go around to the side entrance, and you go in through the side entrance, and you show your ticket there, and you're directed into a uh, giant movie theater. But rather than just seating, it's really comfortable seating, but with tables in front of you. And on every table is a menu. And you can order from the menu and order some pretty good gourmet foods to be delivered right there while you're watching the movie. So you go in and you sit down. And uh, you're sitting there and you, you look through the menu before the movie starts and you start to pick out some things you want. You can order appetizers, drinks, uh, real meals. They have sandwiches. Uh, there are um, some higher-end meals. There's some things that you can get. I think they even have sushi on the menu. So there's some really clever things that you can get. And all you have to do when you're ready to order is you push the button and a server will come down and take your order. And during the movie, after the food is ready, they'll just come in and they'll deliver it to your table. 
and you can sit there and watch the movie and have a nosh. So it's more, it's higher end than just the hot dogs and popcorn you can get at the regular stand. You actually order something and deliver it right to your table. And I got to tell you, this is a lot of fun. It's, it's like a different experience. You go in and it's something so completely different because you don't see this type of environment in most places that you go to see a movie. You go in and you sit down and you're sitting there and having something to eat and you can get, uh, you know, something really interesting and different. I had a, I think the last time I was there, I had a, um, like a chicken quesadilla or something and it was really pretty good. And, um, it was, you know, it was a nice tasty dish and whatever. They have to watch out a little bit. My dad was with me when we were there, and he ordered a lime chicken sandwich. And there was a wedge of lime that was actually on the sandwich that he didn't see. And he picked it up and bit it, and he was like, oh, there's a lime in there. Um, so it was a little surprising. But otherwise, you know, it's pretty cool. You get these, uh, you get these nice little meals. They're served in a basket. It's kind of like, if you think about the sci-fi dine-in theater concept, it's kind of almost kind of like that. Um, you know, the, obviously the food is a little different because you're buying it from the AMC concession instead of from a Disney concession, but it's the similar concept where you're in a movie and eating. And I actually found it to be a lot of fun and without the theme park admission. So it was like, I don't know, a couple of dollars more to see that. And then you order the food and, you know, that's a little bit more than maybe you'd buy it. Uh, some you know casual restaurant if you were going to go to say let's say Chili's let's as an example, it's going to be a little bit pr more pricey than that, but it's not a really expensive meal. But the experience is well worth it. And you watch the whole movie and you nosh. And if you want to order something else, you just push the button and they'll uh, send something else to you. Uh, it's really kind of cool. And the, the servers are all well trained. They come in, they sneak in, sneak out, so you don't they don't bother you. And the way the the uh, the whole thing is set up when you order when you buy your tickets, they ask you where do you want to sit. And they show you the uh, the little the little screen there with all the seats that are available, and you can pick a couple of seats. And it's like, I want to say it's two on one side, and then four in the middle, and two on the other side. So you have a lot of room there, and they can get in, and they can uh, get your food and get it to you pretty easily. So you can be eating and enjoying yourself while you're watching the movie. And it's really a pretty cool experience. I mean, I, I just enjoyed it. It was something really different. And as the movie's winding down, they come in and they put the check on the end of your table. So all you have to do is just take out your cash, your credit card, whatever you're going to pay with, and just hand it to them as the movie's winding down. And they'll take it and they'll run it and, you know, they'll get you your change and whatever. And then you can leave as the movie's ending. It's actually really cool. I mean, you know, so it's, it really is the high-end concept for dining and dinner in a movie. And I really do recommend it. If you have an opportunity to get over there and check out a movie, it's well worth it. Now, you have to kind of watch it because not all the movies are shown on the uh, fork and screen. They try to rotate which ones are shown there. It's the more popular movies generally. But they go through the cycle because I think it's either it's about six screens that they have going through there. So, you know, different times during the day, there's different movies that are starting. And they have the servers that come in and serve you. And they, you know, they take care of you while you're going through the, watching the movie. So you just have to kind of look at it. Make sure you're, you're buying the ticket for the fork and screen version of it instead of the, uh, the regular movie version of it. And again, it's just so interesting and so much fun that it's well worth doing. And I highly recommend it. If you ever have a chance, I would recommend doing this because it's just something that's so unique and so different. You can do AMC has this concept in a few other cities around the country. And there are a few other movie chains that do something similar. But uh, I think this one was just really neat. Uh, and there's something special about, you know, you're in downtown Disney anyway or Disney Springs. So it kind of makes it just that much more special. And for me personally, having seen Beauty and the Beast there when it first opened, that movie theater always holds a special place for me. Uh, it just does. That's just the nature of it. It's, uh, it's actually kind of cool to me. Well, the second place that I would talk about is Splitsville. Splitsville is actually a luxury bowling lane, and it opened at the end of 2012, so it's only been open about a year, uh, and it's something new. They only they used to have the uh, Virgin Megastore there, which was just okay. It was a Virgin Megastore. It was a two-story store, but now there's a bowling alley on both stories, so it's actually kind of cool when you walk up to it. 
It's actually maybe just a half block up from where the movie theater is. So as you walk up, you can see some of the bowling lanes right there. And people are bowling. There's a giant plate glass window that kind of surrounds half the building. And you can watch people bowling on a couple of lanes right there. Now, if you're a little bit more shy and timid and don't want to show your form, you can actually take one of the other lanes that's further back in the building or upstairs where nobody can see you bowling except for the people that are around you. But it's actually kind of cool. Now, the way it works is it's uh, $15 or so before 5 o'clock to go bowling. And it includes 90 minutes of bowling and bowling shoes. Uh, so if you think about the price you'd pay at your local bowling alley, probably around, I think the last time I went, it was about 6 bucks to bowl for an hour plus about $5 for shoe rental. So this is in that same ballpark. It's not much more expensive to go bowling there. But it's actually much cooler. Now, if you go after 5 o'clock, I think the price is a little bit higher, a couple more dollars, but really you know, not a huge difference. And you can go and you can bowl and you can have a great time. So you can sit there and it's, it's got this 50s feel to it, the way they've done it up. It's kind of a luxury lane where they've done it a little bit more. It's brighter and it's nicer than any bowling alley I've ever been in any, anywhere else. And you go in and it's just kind of fun. And there's a DJ spinning uh, records and there's TVs everywhere. So you can be watching your favorite game or whatever else happens to be on at that point. And you can just hang out and have some fun bowling. So it's like a, a more fun bowling adventure. It's, it's more family-oriented, especially if you go during the day. Uh, the kids can have a great time, and you can go bowling. And, you know, everything is kind of well-kept and, you know, kept up. And I know I've been to a couple of bowling alleys, you know, in the last few years where eh, they're a little more run down. And, you know, it's a little bit – shows its age a little bit. They do a great job of keeping this one up. And it's really a fun place to just go bowling. But it's also more than that. Again, there's like tables and chairs set up around, and you can order dinner right there while you're sitting at the bowling alley. And it's not just the traditional grub. You, know, you go to your local bowling alley, and they have the hot dogs, and they have pizza and whatever. And yeah, that's nice. It's okay. It's frozen pizza. Here, again, it's gourmet food that they're offering. So they have a menu sitting there. You push the button. Somebody comes over and takes your order. And you order sushi or you order some uh, something with an aioli on it. You know, and you hear the word aioli and you go, wow, you know, this is a little bit higher end than uh, some of the other places that you might see. And they've got some really cool things that they have on the menu and you can order them and they bring them to your table and you just pay for them. Now, the thing you have to watch out for is you still have 90 minutes of bowling. So it gives you the countdown timer if you happen to be bowling and, you know, you get too long and it's, you know, you've got 10 minutes left. It tells you there's 10 minutes left. But you have to be careful that you're kind of switching in your food at the right time because you still only have the 90 minutes. So you might want to order before you start or maybe while you're finishing and you can sit, hang around and just eat while you're finishing. Or you could, of course, just order it and nosh while you're uh, bowling. So you could order some nachos or something while you're bowling. But it's really pretty cool. It's a, just a little more fun than your traditional bowling alley. And I think there's actually some really nice things that go on there. So um, let's see. There's 30 lanes uh, of bowling. And uh, they're, just the, they're just the way everything is laid out. It's just so cool and clever. And they have a system for uh, making sure that the lanes are well used because everything's on these 90-minute cycles, right? Everybody buys the 90 minutes. So what they'll do is if, you, if they're busy, they'll give you a pager. And you can just hang out in the bar area or around there and uh, just wait. And then they'll page you when it's time to get your lane. And this is pretty cool. So when they're really busy, you, you can wait but get your lane later. Now, you may be asking, what if I want to just go there and have a nosh and have something to eat, but I don't want to bowl? Ha-ha, you can do that too. You, you can go in and just get something to eat if you want and just hang out at one of the tables and order some food and just enjoy the atmosphere without actually bowling. Or you can bowl without eating. Whatever way you want to do it, they're offering it up to you to, uh, to do some different things. 
Now, one thing about it is it's not really Disney-inspired. Uh, it is Splitsville. It's a different company. They do have some Disney accoutrements throughout the whole place, but not everything is Disney. There's a couple of bowling balls that have Mickey etched on them, and there's a couple of pictures of, like, the castle and things around the around the uh, bowling alley. But most of it is traditional bowling alley things and maybe some things from around Orlando and different things that you might see there. So Splitsville is open approximately 10 a.m. to 2 a.m., so you can get some late-night bowling in if you want to. But again, if you just want to take the kids over, maybe it's your last day at Disney and you just want to have something fun and you've already done miniature golfing, the bowling alley may be a great way to go. It's really not so expensive, and you can have a really great time just having a little fun bowling while you're staying at uh, Disney World. And I just think that's a tremendous thing, that you can actually enjoy yourself and have some fun with it. And uh, I highly recommend that as well. That's another fun thing that you can do. Now, the third location is Disney Quest. Now, Disney Quest is one of those indoor gaming arcade-type places, but it's so much more. So if you think about the Mountasia or you think about the uh, Dave & Busters or any one of those places, this is like a better version of that. Now, I'm not a huge fan of, like, indoor gaming, but this one is actually pretty cool. Um, what you do is you come in and you, you pay a set price to come in, and it's about 40 bucks if you buy it in advance, a little more if you buy it at the door. But you can go in for the whole day and uh, spend your time doing all these different games. And it's actually five floors of gaming that they have in there, including a food court. So you can go over and get something to eat. Now, this is more of the Disney snack food court where you get, uh, you know, traditional kind of Disney snack fare, but nothing really great. But what happens is um, you can go in there and you can uh, hang out and have some fun playing games. But it's more than just your average games. It's not just the games that you see at Dave & Buster's. You'll see... um, the five zones of play that they have there first is the explore zone where you're transported to another world as you experience the virtual jungle cruise while shooting the rapids. There's Aladdin's magic carpet ride that sends you through the Agrabah as you race to release the genie. And you can go in search of hidden treasure on the pirates of the Caribbean battle for Buccaneer gold. So they're interactive games that you can actually participate in and have some fun. And it's all included in the price uh, when you go in. Now, sometimes there's a little bit of a line to go back and do them again. And you have to wait in line before you can do it a second time. So if you go early, you have a better chance of being able to get to see some of the things uh, more than once. The uh, second zone is the score zone. Uh, You can become a superhero as you ride the comics in a 3D comic book battle. Your crew visits other planets as you go on a rescue mission, an invasion, an alien encounter, and the Mighty Ducks pinball slam puts you in the middle of the action. The third area is the create zone. And I like to think of the create zone as what the Imagination Pavilion used to have on the second floor when you would go through and you would actually be able to do some fun things as you were leaving the attraction there, there used to be this really cool thing, this cool exhibit where you could go through and have some fun, like interacting with some of these uh, things. And this uh, create zone is very similar to that. So you can express yourself in the artistic center at the living easels. You can paint a live masterpiece, create and ride your own one of a kind roller coaster at cyberspace mountain. Toy story fans will love Sid's create a toy where you can assemble and take home your own toy. Become a Disney animator at the Animation Academy. And budding musicals uh, stars can create their own CD by choosing from over 20 styles and 1,000 vocals at the Disney, uh, Radio Disney Songmaker. And then finally is the replay zone. There's classic games and rides with Buzz Lightyear's Astro Blaster pitting you against your competitors in a zany bumper car race. The Mad Wave Motion Theater that gives you a choice of riding fantasy coasters or steering a high-speed race car. The Dance Zone offers the, least, uh, the latest dance video games, and the uh, Kid Quest is designed for kids uh, ages 2 to 7. 
They also have custom redemption games that require the purchase of Disney Quest gameplay cards, and those points can be used to redeem prizes. So that's an additional charge if you want to use those, because they're giving you tickets that you can get prizes back for, so you have to buy a card to be able to use them. But the other stuff is all included in your admission price. Now, you pay one price for the entire day, and you can come and go as you want. If you want to leave and go do something else and come back, you can certainly do that. Now, one of the things over in the uh, cafe that they have on the fourth floor is that they have uh, Internet access available there. So you can go in and you can surf surf the web or send emails or kind of relax for a few minutes, grab a cup of coffee, and just hang out. So it's kind of cool. You can make, make a day of it if you want to. And it really is kind of fun. Now, like I said, I'm not much of a video gamer. I'm not big into that. I do some video games here and there, but I'm not really big into that. So I don't like spending the day at these at these places, but I know a lot of people do. And that's why this place is so successful. People can go in and really enjoy themselves and have some fun tooling around and having some fun with all of the things that uh, that are available, all these games. I mean, there's very there's several very cool Disney-themed games that you can sit there and play. So it's worth doing if you want to check it out. And, you know, the price point is a little high, but if you think about a day's adventure, hey, it's kind of worth it, right? And you think about if you went to a, let's say, Dave & Buster's or one of those places, um, you know, you think about how much you spend on a game card. It's a two-hour game card for, I don't know, $15 or $20, whatever it is. And here it's like $45 for the day. So, you know, kind of worth it in its own way to be able to go in and enjoy it. Um, you know, there's some, uh, there's some cool things in there. And uh, it's one of those things that's kind of worth seeing. If you have an opportunity, it's really kind of neat. If you've never been there, it's worth going in at least once just to check it out. If you have some time on your vacation and you just want to do something different, it really is kind of cool. Um, and you can't miss it. It's a five-story building that's on the end there, um, kind of right next to the movie theater. And it's got giant, uh, a giant Mickey on the side of it. It's the uh, circles of, it's the classic Mickey circles that make up the uh, the logo. But it's uh, really pretty cool, and it's it's well worth seeing if you have a little bit of extra time and want to find something to do that's a little bit different. So I, I do recommend seeing it if you ever have an opportunity. And then finally is Cirque du Soleil. Now the show that they show there is La Nuba. Now Cirque du Soleil is is an unusual thing. There's they are a Montreal-based company. And the original idea was to create a show that they could base in Montreal that people could come and see. Then they expanded the idea out to having shows that were traveling around, and they could bring the circus to you. Now, Cirque du Soleil literally means Circus of the Sun. And when you think about what they're doing, it really is kind of a circus. Now, there's no animals involved. It's just different acts, and it's uh, different fun things that they do that are that are kind of it's all people doing these different uh, acrobatic things. So you have the tight, you might have the tightrope walker, people juggling, people stacking chairs and climbing on them. In particular, at the Cirque du Soleil La Nuba, one of the things they have is most of the floor is like these giant mats of rubber. So people are jumping on trampolines, basically. And they're jumping up on walls and over things and under things and through things. And it's actually very cool. Now, the thing about Cirque du Soleil, when they first started, like I said, they were moving around and uh, they had these different uh, acts that they would take on the road. And they created the circus in your town. They'd come to your town and they do the circus there. Now, they still do that. They still have the traveling show that they do and they bring it around to different places. And that those shows are always different. Um, every time it comes to a city, it's a different show. Uh, I live down in South Florida in Miami. About every January or maybe every other January, there is a Cirque du Soleil show that comes to town. And uh, you can go and see it, and every year it's a different show, and it's, they bring these portable tents, and they set it up, and they do the whole show there. And it's really pretty cool. Along the way somewhere, the uh, founder of the organization came up with this idea to create a few permanent shows around the country in the U.S. 
And he decided that uh, he was working with Disney on creating one at Downtown Disney, and that's the Lanuba show that you can see there. There are, of course, a couple of other ones that are in uh, Las Vegas, and I believe there's a couple of other cities that have permanent shows as well. The thing about Cirque du Soleil, it's, it, like I said, it's, it's a circus that revolves around people doing acrobatics. And one of the things that they try to do is make it – I've heard the founder and some of the directors being interviewed. There was a, a show they did on um, – it was A&E or one of those shows many years ago. And it was like all these um, different performers who were coming in and trying out for the shows. And some of them were like stunt performers and some of them were people who had done uh, college acrobatics. And some of them were people who had done other things like cheerleading, things like that where they had the, the physical attributes to be able to pull some of these things off. And they had to come up with an act that they would put together and then they would figure out how to – weave it into a show. And one of the things that one of the founders was talking about was that there had to be a certain sensualness to it. There's, you know, they're not trying to promote sex per se, but they are trying to pr promote a certain amount of sensuality to it. So there's something more to it that's a little more substance. So it captures you on an emotional level when you're seeing people do some of the things that they're doing. So it's not just the stunt. It's got a little bit more I don't, I don't want to use the word risque attitude toward it, but something else that just makes it gives it that little bit more of a hook. So when you're watching it, you go, oh, that's pretty cool. And you actually get a little bit emotionally attached to the performers that are out there. Now, the cool thing about it is, you know, they set up the show and they have, you know, so many things that they're going to do. There's 10 or 12 things that they're going to do that are acrobatic things throughout the show. And once in a while, they'll change one of those out when a performer moves on and somebody else comes in. But they usually have the main performer and another study for them so they can always do those those same things. Uh, and they, they rotate through them as they go through the show. But it's a live performance, so you never know exactly what the live performance is going to look like because sometimes things happen during it. Someone falls. Someone doesn't finish what they were supposed to do. But they'll keep trying it. Um, there's a live band performing, and they're, they're playing music while you're sitting there. And so they're playing the music, and the performer is performing. One of the things I distinctly remember about seeing Lanuba was I was sitting there, and uh, there was the tightrope walker going across. And she was having trouble finishing, and the band would just back up and start that part again so she could keep doing what she was doing until she got to the end. And it was really cool because it made the show really unique because the next time you went and saw it, that probably did not happen. So it was really pretty cool that you know that's kind of the way it goes because things happen during the show. And sometimes because it's a live performance, you never know exactly what to expect from anything that's going on. And it makes it really, really fun. And you're in this theater in the round, basically. So it's a, a, a stage on one part of the theater, and it's a round stage. And then you have um, – it goes around like three sides in, in two levels. So uh, think about when you go into like an amphitheater or something and you have the stage on one end, except this is designed specifically for this show. So there's certain elements that go up over your head, and there's certain places where characters will go out into the audience and things happen that uh, that go on throughout the show. And, of course, you've got these um, – to keep the show moving because they have to kind of reset and do some things between different acts, they've got this set of clowns, let's say. Uh, and they come out and they do certain pantomime acts that then really bring up something unique and make it fun and interactive while you're waiting for the next part of the show to start. And that's actually pretty cool. So you're watching this happen, and then all of a sudden these clowns come out and they start doing something. Um, and it's just something silly. You know, you think about the old circus days where you had the elephants and everything, and you had the clown car. And, you know, something funny is happening with the clowns. This is a similar type of thing, but a little bit more highbrow. Um, not quite just the silly, you know, clowns just, you know, trying to get into a car kind of a thing. But it's similar. Uh, I don't want to undersell it that way because it, it's the same kind of a thing. So Cirque du Soleil has been uh, in downtown Disney since 1998. Uh, they started in December of 1998. And uh, they've, they've got the show going on there. Um, like I said, there are other shows around the country. 
that you can check out. But there's something really special about the whole the whole thing. And as you go and you watch this show, it's it's really kind of neat. And the kids love it too because there's so much interactive stuff happening. It's a visual feast because usually what's happening is there's one main act going on, but there's something else happening on the stage too to kind of distract your attention. So there's stuff going on. And as you watch one thing and then watch the other, there's there's really some interesting things that happen. So you can sit there and enjoy it and kind of take it all in. And really, it's, it's a visual feast, and the music is playing too, and it really has a certain feel to it that makes it really uh, pretty unique. Now, uh, I'm going to try and do this and try not to butcher uh, uh, French here, but faire la noob means to party or to live it up. So that's really the essence of the show. And it's really, it's really pretty cool because they've done like almost 10,000 shows there now. Uh, it's just an amazing thing because they do two shows a day, six days a week, if I'm not mistaken. So they have uh, plenty of things happening there. Uh, and it's, uh, there's plenty of opportunities to see it. It's, you know, in the 60 ish dollar range to go see it. So it's not exactly cheap, but it is well worth seeing. And it's one of those things that I, I recommend seeing at some point in your life. If you don't see this show, I would recommend seeing another show that's a traveling show or one of the other, uh, st- stationary shows in, in one of the other uh, cities around the country. It's just remarkable. Cirque du Soleil is just really cool with the way it uh, comes together. So some of the things that you might see in the show are a jump rope where there's a uh, sort of a rebooted version of the children's game of jumping rope. The high wire act that I mentioned. Diabolos. Um, it's a children's toy with a twist. It's uh, They have the... Um, the, uh, these, these discs that are on a string that they keep popping up in the air and they keep catching on the string. It's, it's, that's one of those things that's really cool. Some cycles that move around, an aerial cradle uh, that looks like a door that's perfect for um, uh, agility, uh, an aerial ballet and silk, and that is spectacular. They're rolling down on, the, uh, on, the, on these uh, silk, almost like curtains, and they hang onto them and they go through that. There's juggling, the flying trapeze, the power track and the trampoline. Uh, there used to be some German wheels that were just amazing. They were just these giant wheels that people would stand inside of and roll around, and they were cool, but I guess they're not doing those at the moment. And then balancing on chairs. Again, like I said, sometimes they retire these things and they bring them back at some future, uh, at some other time, or they bring new things in. It's really cool, though, how these things all happen. But like I said, one of the key things is there's trampolines in there, and they're just bouncing off of them kind of throughout the show. There's different times when they're bouncing off the trampolines, and it's really, really cool. And I really, you know, this is one of those shows that just, you know, the first time I saw it, it was just, it blew me away. I was just dumbfounded by it. It was just so neat. Um, I'll have to put a link to, uh, there's some clips of it. I'll put a link to it in my uh, show notes page so you can see it. It's, it's really, it's just one of those things that's remarkable, and I highly recommend seeing the show. So there you go. There's four things that you can do over at Downtown Disney or Disney Springs, as it's called these days. And you can uh, go check those out when you've got a little extra time at the Walt Disney World Resort and you're looking for something different to do. These four are all close to each other, and you can take on one or more in a day if you want to. Uh, Maybe you just want to get out of the heat of the day and check these out, or maybe you come in and you have an extra day where you don't have a theme park ticket and you want to check it out. I highly recommend any of these four as something really fun to do. So there you go, something else that you can take on at Walt Disney World that's a little bit different and off the beaten path, and most people don't even think about this. Who would think about going to see a movie while you're at the Walt Disney World Resort? Well, here's a way you can go see one that's a little bit more fun. Of course, there are movies shown that are around the Disney resorts, but remember that those movies are not first-run movies, and you know they may be something that you really don't want to see. With 24 screens, this is a great opportunity to see something fun. So that's it for this week. I hope you've enjoyed it. And remember, if we can dream it, we really can do it. Bye now. Thank you for tuning in to the Disney View Podcast. Now, please exit the moving podcast. The walkway is moving at the same speed as your podcast. 
kindly take small children by the hand and watch your head and step. If you have questions, thoughts, or would just like to ask Dave a question, please send an email to davesdisneyview at gmail.com. You can always find Dave's Disney View on Facebook, Twitter, and Pinterest. Show notes for this podcast can be found on DisneyWorldPodcast.net. Original music you hear in this podcast is courtesy of Sound A Music. You'll find a link to the latest Disney-related autism awareness event on the show notes page. We also encourage you to check out Dave's iPhone apps. There are a couple of Disney-related apps, including a Hidden Mickey's app and a pin trading app. 